1: singing by the bed there's a glass of punch below your feet and an angel at your head there's devils on each side of you with bottles in their hand you need one more drop of poison and you'll dream of foreign land right there, oh, the we're right here, got, yeah, 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 yeah fine I can do that yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I'm noticing you still have the dulcet tones of the north. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what accent you were going to possess. Well, so, you know, um, you
2: know that guy from. Um, oh, we watch it every year. That film, uh, um, uh, and it's got Kira Knightley in it. It's got Love Actually. Love Actually. There you go. Clis- so th-
0: Christmas classic.
2: Yeah, no, as yeah. we watch it every every year. Uh, well, once we gave over with um, It's a Wonderful Life, we moved to. Um, um, You've just told me what the name of the damn thing <laughs> is. And I just...
0: It's all these email questions just still going around in your head. No, That's no, so they
2: are. Love Actually. Love Actually, yeah. yeah. So um, so the guy that goes to, um, uh, to to go and basically get bonked in, yep. um, in Milwaukee, is it? The, the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, then uh, it's kind of like me. Like, I went to, to America not to get bonked or anything. I went to, I went to, I went to America. <laughs> to get to married. Get, to get married. Far more honourable. Far more honourable. So, um, and... Um, but that scene in the pub in the bar when when they get him to say the word bottle and everything yeah 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 you know like that i think oh that's my god probably you say bin, not trash
0: can yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> well like yeah that kind of thing so my, my kids just uh, laugh out loud when they hear me say well you know when they when the waiter a waitress doesn't understand that i want some water then i have to go say i'd like some water some water and um <laughs> and they just fall about laughing um
0: isn't it funny that certain accents just never disappear and i think the more north you go the more you're likely to keep it like i've got friends who have parents from glasgow and yeah. they've lived in birmingham where i'm from yeah. for 40 years and they're still as glaswegian as rabsy nesbit like it just does not go yeah
2: I, well I was, as i was saying that i think it serves a purpose for me to keep my manchester accent there um although danielle my wife will say that um that my accent was stronger when she first met me yeah and it has weakened a little bit But i mean geez, if you can hear what it sounds like in my head it's, it feels like I'm putting it on. Well,
0: I guess it's at the point now you're in where when you're in America, people are like, oh, my God, you sound so British, so northern. No, when so you, it's like when a, you come back home, they're like, you've lost it. It's it's softened. Yeah, no, so, <laughs>
2: you, so you can't really win. No. Um, but you do get a reward for having a regional accent in the United States because they just adore listening to it. I'll bet. Yeah, and on yeah, the yeah, phone, yeah. particularly if like, something's gone wrong with the internet or something other or the television or, or, or whatever, if you ring them up with an accent like this, they will fall over backwards to, to help you out with what your problem is. It's a good
0: icebreaker, like, right it. now. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because my dad is from basically the same area, like, sort of, Worsley, that, oh, kind, that, that right? kind of part of town is where yeah. he grew up. And he, at 16, just got out of there, and he yeah. joined the army. and I mean, I think he came wow. from quite a fractured home environment, and so that's why he wanted to get out. But I'm presuming you did a similar sort of thing in that once you hit a certain age, you were
2: straight to London, right? Well, yeah, but I was of uh, the privileged sort of upper middle middle class family where um, my grandfather sent his children, my father and my aunts and uncle, to a boarding school in Yorkshire, actually, a Quaker boarding school. So, in, in the in the in what became a, quickly a family tradition, then I was sent to boarding school along with my bro- my two brothers and a cousin actually went um, as well. Um, How was my, it? It was uh, it was all right. It was yeah. a bit um, it was a bit grim to begin with, um, but then as I was as I was writing in this this uh, email interview today that a lot of the songs come from well, not a lot some of the songs one of them particularly comes from that period where there where although it's in the West Yorkshire coalfields near Featherstone and near Wakefield and Pontefract, um, nonetheless it was still out op- out in the fields. And that's where my the, my first love relationship happened was out in nature. Do you know me? It's just like D.H. Lawrence, yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, you know, just for it. so 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 the valleys, the vales, and and hills and fields are all infused with that kind of romanticism for for me. Um, so, because of a romantic experience that you had, yeah, no, yeah, no, indeed, yeah, for in, my, in, my last, um, um, in my last, in my last couple of years at at school and um, we're still friends now she came to visit in um uh last year in in los angeles um and there's always a little sort of frisson sort of thing with uh, with with her but um and then i get to write a song about it so that's kind of cool yeah um so so what i'm saying is that nature and then music as well because i used to post myself in the music wing at school at the t- at the time when the, my love object was going on her way to the house that the um the girls used to uh, live in, right, sleep right. in, yeah, and I'd, I'd open the window a crack, and then I would uh, play like music. Amazing, so that's Romeo and Juliet. So, right so there. that she would <laughs> she would hear it on her way going down to the to the girls' house.
0: Um, so were you always interested in music? And I guess because you, you're quite yeah. multi instrumentalist, were you always adept to be able to just pick up certain instruments and?
1: figure well, them out fairly easily it and... was a
2: good i want. well there was a band at school we didn't really have a name um was a, a guitar player who came back well well, well there was a guitar player and a drummer but the 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 object was the plan was to go away on holiday over the summer and come back having earned enough money from your job holiday summer job to buy an instrument and come back to school the following term with your instrument so I was the bass player for for that, but I never picked up a bass. And I went through bells, um, you know, Sir Bells of Surbiton. They had a, yeah. um, um, a mail order thing. There was a bass there for nineteen quid, and I was going to buy that um, for work, working in a hardware store close by. And my dad said, No, no, you, uh, you've, you've, that's specializing straight away. What you really need to do is learn how to play the guitar. So. <laughs> So for my birthday, my parents gave me, well, I shouldn't complain because it was great, you know, because uh, because I became a guitarist because of this rather than a, than a bass player. So they, they were kind of right, but it fucked the band up. because <laughs> They already had a guitarist. It was just a guitar. They had a guitarist yeah. and they already had a drummer. And then I just came with this, with this Anna Segovia <laughs> type classical guitar. And I couldn't really contribute. There was no amplification or anything. So I used to sit in the corner and just strum away, keeping up with them. They couldn't hear me. I could hear everything that they did um but so then, is that the birth of the folk roots then is it right well there yeah kind of, of but um,
0: necessity is the mother of invention
2: yeah basically um and i learned how to do the rhythm guitar playing shit from from that because i had to play yeah. it as loud as i possibly could <laughs> and, and nothing else but up and down sort of um rhythm stuff and then um and then, then uh, I had piano lessons when I was at school as well, but then gave up with those because they they, they just got boring, really. Um, and then after that, funnily enough, in a school, they, they forbid me from going into the music wings at all to use the pianos. So I'd, whenever I played the piano, I was doing it against the sort of school regulations and we'd get thrown out from time to time. So that became like a thing as well. What, instilled in you a sense of rebellion? And yeah, that? basically, yeah distaste for authority um well especially on that in on that sort of uh, intersection yeah i mean why would you prevent anybody from playing a, a musical instrument and being seems, creative yeah yeah so that's just a load of bollocks so me and a friend actually who lives in leeds um that he was doing the same thing as me although he, he had never had the piano lessons but we were playing the piano <laughs> illegally at school it was laughable that <laughs> we used to race to go find to, to the um the music teacher's own piano that they had in the meeting house with it being a Quaker school it would they had a meeting house and he had like a Bosendorfer or something it's a fantastic piano like walnut it seemed like it was beautiful so me and Jonathan um, we were sort of in competition with one another to see who could get to this piano first after prep had finished yeah yeah um, to go and get to this piano then and see you know how long it we we could play before we got caught (laughs) it was great uh, so what took you to London? What, what, um, just to get, I think to are. get away from home basically Yeah, because I'd have those sort of um, career meetings with parents where I would just try and fend them off where they say, well, how do you consider being an architect or a doctor? And, and I, I couldn't take any of them seriously uh, um, at all. Um, but wait a minute—that's before I got qualified and everything. I think, um, well, basically, I've, I've screwed up all my exams and I had to spend a year at home, retaking them at um, at, a, um, at a sixth form college. And then, um, so by then, you well and truly had enough, had you? you had, yeah, I Yeah, no, that was a miserable year. I, I, I really did not like um, being at uh, being at home, and and, and I stuck out like a sore thumb, basically, at this um, at this sixth form college. Um took me a long time to sort of re-socialize after six years of being at boarding school. I mean, it sounds yeah. weird to say, but it's... it's um, Well, it, it
0: almost institutionalizes you in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it cuts you off from engagement with, you know, a cross-section of society and... Yeah, I guess, I guess it would. Well, yeah, or at least the
2: whole thing was sort of inward-facing a lot of the yeah. time. You know, uh, and that's what made it a rich sort of experience. But at the same time... I didn't feel all that equipped yep. uh, to spend a year at a sixth form college. Um, you know, I had hair down to my tits and and and, um, and the same clothes every day, and and was one of the few smokers that were there. Um, so basically, you're at college with a bunch of squares. Well, no, they weren't <laughs> squares at all. They were they were all they were all right kids, but right. Uh, I wasn't all right. That's <laughs> oh, right, that's, right. The, that's the thing. I just did not know how to how to fit in. Um, it didn't start very well because my dad said to me that, uh, well, I had to go for an interview at the Sixth Form College. And my dad said, if you're going to an interview, you have to wear a suit. <laughs> Look at me now. Still like, rocking wear, it. I wear a suit every day. <laughs> you know, like, so I just, yeah, yeah. I just do. Um, so I went to this uh, the interview for the Sixth Form College wearing the Sunday suit regulation thing that we used to have to wear at school. Um, and then when I got accepted, which. I wasn't ever likely not to be accepted to uh, Eccles Sixth Form College. Um, then on my first day there, I just wore what I usually wore, which is a green rugby shirt, a, a tattie old tweed jacket, and some uh, fla- um, low loon pants. I had some blue loon pants. So I turn up then, um, and then in my first report, the uh, the head teacher said, "It's nice to see that James has made some adjustments to the, <laughs> to the way that he his wants appearance." To. Yeah. <laughs> For God's sake! Cheers, d- guys. <laughs> so, a um, bit of encouragement there. A bit. <laughs> and um, so, I played music there as well with a phenomenally talented guitar player, and I really can't remember his name. I do hope that he had a career of some kind because he was so good at what um, at what he did. Nothing that I could come up with, like Steve Howe, kind of uh, sort of uh, prog rock, jazzy type stuff and he could do anything right and I would just strum along again with uh, with him or play the piano a bit and then um, and then when it came to uh, having v- by the skin of my teeth past the, the 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 right number or amount of exams or with the right um, uh, numbers attached to them then then I found that I was accepted to Liverpool Polytechnic or um, Ealing technical Ealing Technical College um, so I chose the one that was furthest away simply and so that's where I went. I played music all the way through there, but without getting in a band. And it wasn't really until um, I'd graduated from Ealing Tech with a, um, a humanities degree. and I got a job at the London Chamber of Commerce, weirdly, for a bit. And then. What are you going to be doing there? Just research a system, because right. that's what I was good at. Um, and I still am.
0: Um, do you apply that to
2: your songwriting, that approach? Yes, I do, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, it's fun to, to, so w- working with Mark oral from, um, Dropkick Murphys, that he'll come up with like a, a, basically a fully finished sort of harmonic structure to something with, and with a melodic th- thing going on too. And we'll, we'll have a bash together with, with Ted Hutt as well to sort of nail it down so that the parts all seem to f- lead from one to the, to the next. Then I go off to, um, to my computer basically i'd like to say Your that modern I, day library yeah basically yeah. and and i just chase things down um and if some so then then the music sort of makes me think of something and then i'll go and chase what that makes me think of down and then that'll lead up to something else and i'll just go on a, go down a rabbit hole then you find all sorts of different worlds out there and different ways of expressing certain things or uncertain things and so then i kind of collect it all together and and make it rhyme and scan And that's basically that's basically. It's a very it. methodical approach. Yeah. Yeah, in a sense... Um, From the lyric point of view, at least. Um, I suppose... Well, I don't know about methodical. There's a method, so there is. But then I don't mind being distracted by learning about something else that I didn't expect to learn about. So there's one of the songs where which... it's not
0: fixed in stone. You'll kind of go wherever the... Yeah. momentum takes no you. no
2: so i would um so near us there's a um a, 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 in la i live near Koreatown, and there's hk supermarket on western avenue which we go to fairly regularly and there's a florist outside and there's this tune playing from the florists that kind of got into my head so I, you know as i with as with you know the iphone and with a lot of the songs i tend to um i tend to whistle them into the iphone yeah and i probably got it totally wrong but that was fine it was like a nice open pentatonic sort of uh, melody um and then then get together with ted uh, to begin with and we knock about a few things chords wise and and then there's another tune comes up then go off to write the lyrics and then i'm oh, i find myself in korean mythology and 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 odd but positive quirky ways of Expressing yourself about love and life and hope and expectation and 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 whatnot. So that's that's enjoyable where you get going into a place that you had no idea that you were going to find yourself in.
0: How did you meet Mark, first of all,
2: through um, being on the road here in 2005 with Dropkick Murphys opening opening for the Pogues in up and down the country. And it was Tim Brennan and um, mark orrell who were the the most gregarious i think out of not that they weren't unfri- not that they were unfriendly or anything dropkick murphys but the, those two guys would come and hang out in our dressing room a bit and they were fun blokes and then um um was I'm that the year
0: you re released Fairy Tale as well?
2: We re we, we re release Fairy Tale every every year. <laughs> it's actually two well like somebody does. Well they try to get yeah. it, you know, there's always a campaign to try and make it number one yeah, 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 every yeah, Christmas. Yeah. And which is really adorable and maybe maybe it will one day. One I kinda day. hope it doesn't. Yeah, it's
0: kinda mad that it hasn't yeah. I think was it two when it first came
2: out, did it get to number, <laughs> number two, two, two yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the highest it's got since then is seven. Right. Might be wrong about that. But well, 2004, there was um, there was a push to try and get it. It was properly re-released, yeah, as I remember, by Warners. And we did some TV stuff um, in and around that with Katie Meluier. Yes, I on the Jonathan
0: Ross show, right?
2: Did you sing it live on that with her? Yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Shane fell over. I don't know if he fell over on camera, today. he? I, d- I don't remember seeing that. No, I don't remember if it was a sound check or... Because there's a... Right at the end, live, uh, when Kirsty was alive, that we would do, I'm going to say Kirsty McCall, just in case somebody listening wouldn't know who I was talking about. I, I just have to do that. Um, that when Kirstie, at the end of the, the song, Shane and Kirsty would sing like, uh, would dance like a, just a dance, it wasn't like a, anything like a waltz or anything, yeah. yeah just go like a river dance kind of, thing. Th- I, no, 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 not river dance. You mean like the um, the, the, <laughs> bound, the bounding across <laughs> the stage and doing all the um, the, the high stepping stuff, yeah? None of that, none of that. No, no. no. they just go around in a circle, right? Like right, a, right, yeah, yeah, on top yeah. Of a like barroom kind of dancing, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. drunk bar, room yeah, dancing. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Kirsty had a way with balancing Shane so that he never fell over right and he was a little dialed in yeah yeah and he was a little bit more agile than than in the second go around um but we'd had um several people who, who who could who could pull it off with him but Katie Mellier was tiny creature and um and maybe she just didn't know how to keep him upright when it once he, when he got dizzy yeah because they just go around in a circle and then he fell over um I seem to remember he fell over um, a monitor wedge or something and uh, Katie Melua uh, I uh, didn't know what to do and why should she you know yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. this you know oh, yeah anyway <laughs> so it is some uh, promotion for all that but still it never got to um it never got to number 1 how did you and Shane meet oh um through um a band called the nipple erectors back in 1980 that I was doing bands Uh, auditions around London I was living in Kingston at the time um, and I saw an advert in the melody maker saying uh, you know name band wants guitar player so uh, I rang up and I went up to Halligan's rehearsal rooms on um, Holloway Road Um, and that's when I first met him and I didn't know what the band was that I was going into and he looked really familiar um, then I realized that he was the guy that had nearly had his ear bitten off by what's her name out of the moldettes in nineteen in in nineteen I don't know in the sometime um, um and I forget where it would have been Camden Palace or, or something but that's what leapt him to sort of local London renown in any right. case had uh, he done anything to provoke
0: that or was she just crazy I think it was bunkers. Yeah, I think yeah. the whole thing was, was yeah, bunkers yeah, yeah. Uh, at that time. Oh, yeah, it was a crazy time, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: I do think so. And Shane was in right in the middle of it.
0: Um, it's funny because I think the Pogues are so synonymous, obviously, with Ireland and Irish culture. Yeah. But so much of London and that London punk scene is obviously intrinsically seeped into the attitude and the sound of the Pogues, isn't it? yeah like, so it is like yeah L- like when people london have mis- is as mis- much a part of it as
2: well yeah because p- people mistake the pokes to be an irish band or have done um it's and you know uh, it's not that, that 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 we didn't discourage that with some of the stupid you know um picture discs that we released you know with like you know wheelbarrow races or something and and the 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 one of the singles was a uh, a shaped in the shape of uh, of, of a map of ireland um i i don't know if that's a collector's item or not I, it needs going in the bin can regularly. you even play it is the <laughs> question we are <laughs> go around well it would go around because they, they, they made the the, oh, the, 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 the cruise would go there. inside yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah
0: um um so was it king's cross was that the sort of area where the yeah, band that's, was that's
2: where it was just south of uh, king's cross amongst uh, at the time it's it's changed now um at the time it was, and un- un- it had changed then from when it w- they were all Peabody estates, which, uh, I, as far as I understand, Peabody estates are for the working class of the Victorian era that, um, that Charles Dickens helped to uh, set up. So it goes back as far as, as not set up, he helped uh, to publicise how poor the living con- conditions were and do good as philanthropists like Peabody. And he might have been an employer. I'm not really sure. Um, built all these estates there, so we lived when when the Camden Council weren't didn't have uh, couldn't afford to keep them going as housing stock. Then um, a charity took them over and they became basically legalized squats. Right. So um, ideal for young struggling artists. No, no, and indeed. Yeah, there were hot houses for all sorts of things. Yeah, there's so many artists come out of um, out of uh, the the uh, buildings they were called. So, the first gig that we played was at the end of Shane's um, Street, which is Cromer Street, just south of uh, King's Cross. And we had our community too from from Widburn um, buildings because everybody knew one another. They were all up to different things. So, we filled out the Pinder Wakefield as it was then, but now it's uh, the Water Rats. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, that was
0: like, I guess, like a, a famous music hall live venue right It well, had that kind of history it, it didn't became, bob dylan it, it, do his first uk show in there as well who's bob dylan i don't know but
2: i do know is it the venue
0: it's now called the water Rats. it's called water yeah. Rats. yeah i think now. dylan did his first ever uk and show so in there.
2: did um um you and mc well i don't know about his first one but you and McCall used to play there right. so it used to be a folk club first when it was the pinder Wakefield, and then when we'd left it became the water rats um and actually my Girlfriend at the time, Z Wykes, who was in a group called Dolly Mixture. Her dad used to play piano for the for the musical there as um, as well. So it's wow. that, that pub's been it's still going, life. isn't it? I, I, go I think yeah. it is. it's yeah, a yeah. Long time since I've been there. Yeah, We I used to go and collect our wages from there. I'd go down to the bank, the Royal Scott uh, RSB on, uh, in Kings Cross, and then come up on my bicycle. Um, take my bike into the pub and then um, distribute the the, the wages, that, such as they were. Such yeah, as yeah, they yeah. Were a pound each or something. Well, no, it was like 150 <laughs> quid uh, a week Really? that we were on, even then in wow. 80, 83, 84. You,
0: how many gigs a week were you doing? Every night or no, no, a couple of night, times? No, we were gigging yeah. a lot around then. Was the scene itself quite small then? Because it seemed like all the bands seemed to know each other. Like, didn't Paul Weller produce a Nips demo or something He like was that?
2: going to. He was going to, um, but then that fell through. Don't really know why. So that Shan Bradley, um, well, she was, wasn't called Shan Bradley at the time. What was her? John Hasler. Or Shan Hasler. Because we had two managers a, a guy called Howard Cohen and, and a guy called John Hasler, who used to play drums in one of the early setups of Madness. Right. Um, And John Hasler was the other manager, and he was married to Shan, uh, the Nips bass player, with whom Shane was already in love with and had been barred from the wedding of these two, but they were still in a band together. It must have been really painful for Shane um, to find himself in, or I don't know, find himself or put himself in the middle of that kind of... unrequited love triangle yeah yes ba- yes basically um, and I don't think he's n- ever not loved Shan ever since um, he's just one of those romantic guys so he is yeah um, and how we got onto that I've no idea you'll have to remind me where we just um... talking about the scene being quite oh I guess small at that
0: time a lot of musicians familiar with each other a lot of crossover a lot of work going yeah, on yeah so
2: so Shan was, was um, well so she was in the, in the nips too yeah and then, um, then Weller was going to produce on pr- uh, Respond label um, a, a, an EP or something. Um, but then Shan was pregnant with with sh- with John Husler and her first kid. So I said, "Well, I'll play the bass since I started out, yeah, as we've yeah, been yeah. saying, started out <laughs> life as a bass player." Well, no, I wasn't a bass player at all,
0: but I figured I, I, figured I could do it. Um, so that's how you end up in that band, was it?
2: No, no. I wound up in the band uh, for, on a, from an audition, right? Um, and uh, that was in the August of 1980. And then we we opened for the Jam, and oh wow, did gigs here and there around London. Were they fierce back then? Were they tight? The Jam, yeah. Uh, they were the best group ever. Uh, I, I, I. know the Clash were the best for me um if if it's a competition, no, but the jam had something that the clash didn't have and and and, and vice versa, but there was something honest and straightforward about both bands, r- really, but I love the way that Paul Weller delivered his lines and words and and the performance that they all that all three of them put on and they were nice guys um uh paul a, a little bit intense, but you know why not? Um, I didn't mind that intensity. I, I did come across him when I'd written my book um, a couple, of, a few years ago, and um, and he don't give anything away at all. And he said, "Hi, hey Paul, how are you?" And he goes, mm. <laughs> "That's all. Yeah. That's all you get." <laughs> um, funny, funny guy. Liked him.
0: Yeah, it's funny in it because he he's got so much to say in his music. Yeah. And there's so much passion and anger and intelligence there. Yeah. And then on a social kind of p- p- playing field, it's like he's not giving anything no up. no he's not, no, not but he was, before before he's he was hanging out with people he was hanging out with people cards the chest the, kind of guy isn't he? A,
2: maybe a bit um, but he had such passion for Shane's work and his lyrics and songs and everything it's a shame that that didn't, that didn't sort of play out um, so then Shan rang me up and said no you're not playing the bass and you're out with the band in any case so, so I just carried on doing shit then um, thought no I'm going to write a book now so, I tried to write a book, and and I was uh, I had a I had a sign on my wall at this in in my um, um, charity housing, uh, four pound a week, um, one bedroom, one living room flat. It was it was amazing on uh, on Mornington Crescent. Um, I had a note on the, on the bedroom wall that just said "get up." So whenever I looked at it, I went, after sleeping, of course, then I'd get up and then and I'd go right for the for the day um and then a year and a half into doing that and finishing nothing gem finer from the Pogues, the banjo player he knocked yep. on my door and said and he had a, a laundry bag with him with an accordion in it he said shane wants you to learn this <laughs> so i said okay how, how long have i got well we've got a gig in i thought he said five days i think it was longer than that i think it might have been 10 days right I think the first rehearsal was five it's days. It's days though, it's not it's weeks. It's days, no, 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 indeed, yeah. It's it was days, a matter of, uh, yeah. yeah. So I said to Gerald yeah, I'll, I'll have a go. So, um, so I did and learnt a few um, hymns on it first and then went down to the first rehearsal at Shane's place on Cromer Street with Jem, which was Jem, Shane and me. And we um, we played an, a, a number of songs, um, um, some of which ended up on the second record of the Pogues and some of them... Um, um, on the first, but it was mostly rum sodomy and the, and the lash that they all came from. Um, like the old main drug was on this tape that, right, Shane, right. that Shane gave me to um to learn from, and the streams of whiskey. But that was on the first record. It's
0: like across the two of them. Yeah. So, so and it I went was just back the three home. of you at this point. So banjo. No, it, uh, in,
2: in that room, yeah. But uh, Spider and Shane had already been doing stuff. Okay, so spiders in the mix as well. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. a four piece to start out. Um, I guess. Uh, John Hasler might have been involved as well that early because we, we needed a drummer, and, and I don't know how why John Hasler should have been made the drummer. Not a clue. Because, the you know, the way that Shane and, and Shan and, and John Hasler had, had that sort of weird sort of fucked up. It's not fucked up. John, yeah, yeah. John loved Shan. Shan <laughs> loved Shane and John. Shane loved Shan. Could put up with John, basically, and that's how that worked. Yeah. <laughs> and um and then um but he, he he was the drummer so so that was just like a given and then shane um had met uh cot who i think was working in a bar at the time um and i think basically he, he just wanted to he just fancied her and said all right all right well do you want to play bass in my band so so we had to teach her how to how to play um so it's a proper punk rock band, the way it's yeah, brought together, yes, the we're a bit We were a bit older starting a bit older. out. I mean, I was 28 right, by right. this time. Cot was uh, like all of 16 or something. Um, Spider a bit younger. Uh, not than 16, but he was younger than um, than me. Um, um, and then and then Cott basically took it on herself to fire John Hasler because he was crap at playing the drums. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was all that crap because he, he didn't have to do much. Yeah. Um, and then we spent a bit of time in the wilds trying to figure out how we could get somebody to play the drums the way that we wanted them to play drums. And then Andrew Rankin, who lived on the the estate as well, um, finally said, "Yes, okay, I'll play drums for you." Then, um, and that's how the that's how the initial six of us, uh, yeah, was, was it six to start off with? Started off, yeah. And did you go
0: out and do some shows with the Clash? And then is that where the yeah we did the um, Stiff label interest and then the first no no the
2: Stiff label gone. interest came, and then Elvis Costello took us on tour in right. na- in 1984. Um, so we went up and down the country, then to Ireland, and that's when basically he fell in love with Cot, the bass player. Yeah um did that cause friction in the group because he obviously no. produced rem sodomy and the lash and that's right no no there was uh there was no friction there was no. a bit sort of toe curling kind of right right uh episodes when he was um teaching her how to play the bass for a, a, a particular song and it just got a little bit too sort of physically intimate yeah um so we all and there's of five of you st- like <laughs> <stood there laughs> looking through the window <laughs> it's like oh give it all over find a room um <laughs> And um, then what 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 what
0: what what What's your memory of making Rum Sodom in the Lash? It's such an amazing album.
2: Oh, that's it's a great. Record. I mean, because that first
0: one, I guess, was sort of half and half, wasn't it? Half traditionals, kind of sea, yeah, that's right, sea yeah. shanties and, yeah. and folk stuff, and, and then a few originals. But then I guess the Rum Sodom in the Lash album was really where Shane's songwriting
2: began. No, to it just came out. It, it flourished. Blossomed. It blossomed, uh, and and I think the 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 song for me. It was, does it start with um um i can only remember the uh, you know the sick bed of Kukulin. yeah i think it starts that, with that, that. yeah with, which is f- such a fantastic um song to start off with with the whole tableau of um of um uh i oh, can't remember the singers richard tauber and um McCormack by the the guy's bed yeah i mean just it looks looks amazing that does um oh, it's so fabulous but the, you know the recording of it um yeah it was it was good with was, was some challenges that elvis put me through as a musician um but they were fine to overcome in the end um which i think i did um and then um, there's someone coming in, but that's all right. That's probably. All good. Um, they know
0: not to come in here.
2: <laughs> Where did you put my bottle of water, by the way? Uh, right over, right over there. Can I just put that down? Of for course
0: you can, I mate. Yeah, do yeah, that. yeah. Oh, do, 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 do. Mm. It's weird because Elvis Costello did mm. the Specials album as well, didn't he? And I guess that's right. what the Specials were doing was, I guess they were doing to Scar... What mm. you guys were doing with yeah, with, I guess. with Celtic folk, just yeah, injecting a bit of new punk influenced fresh yeah, energy into it, isn't it?
2: Yeah, with 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 stories of the um, of the underprivileged yeah. and um, and the beaten down. Yeah, I, I I guess that's true. We in fact we used to go off on um, on Nips outings with uh, Howard Cohen, the manager, and Shane and me. Uh, out to go and see the specials play at Cambridge or something. We just like uh, would say, let the trains take the strain," which was the motto at the time. We just yeah. bunk the fare and go up to Cambridge <laughs> and go and see take the specials. it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was kind of that was kind of fun.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: What an exciting time. Mm. What an exciting time.
2: And an exciting time now, after all that, to go through um, a nine-year first stint with the Pogs and make seven... Records, which, which I don't know, I changed something for, for some people. Um, the the, the kind of emails and, and the feedback that I get from fans and stuff, um, is that it's kind of locked into people's hearts. The, the kind yeah. of music that we that we did,
0: well, it's timeless, isn't it? and not only that I think when you reformed Mm. the the live shows took on a whole new energy and momentum didn't they Mm. and it became like the annual Christmas night out for families I think and it really instilled a generational love an affinity to to the
2: band. Well, I, I always joked that we uh, we basically doubled our audience in the, in the yeah interim. yeah yeah. We let them have kids yeah it, so that they could much. bring their kids to the um, to the actual um, uh, shows yeah. And for me, my family as well. That was it was sometimes it was the only opportunity that I could see my family in Manchester. would go and play the Manchester Evening News Arena. Um I mean, we it, 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 it described a bell curve the the, the actual uh, reunion phase. I mean, we started off slow and then we peaked around maybe 2005, 6 or 7, and then um, and then went described the other side of the bell curve on, on the other side, which is fine because you can't expect to keep going up and up and up and yeah. when there's no, you're not recording anything. Peaks and troughs, isn't it? Yeah, um, and and it was mostly just on the the goodwill and the being locked into people's hearts the way that we were that we that we were able to come back and not bring any product with us the second time around.
0: Was that a conscious choice with everyone? No, because we, 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 tried to sit, we
2: tried to sit together. Um, um, I don't think I would have been any use in this because I, I always sort of got under Shane's nails uh, a lot of the time because uh, I'm opinionated and judgmental, and um, <laughs> which I am, yeah. and I was. So well, At least you're
0: aware and Honest about that with yourself. Um, yeah, it took me a while. Yeah, <laughs> It just doesn't it just doesn't <laughs> happen.
2: Um, so it was felt best, polit- politic, that uh, I should stay away from the discussions to see if we could get Shane. No, see if we could get Shane. To see what Shane had or what yeah. he'd been doing. And it uh, got as far as uh, Spider's flat in um, Finsbury Park um, over a cup of tea with Jem and Spider and Shane, where they were all... S- the plan was to bring up. Well, we were thinking, shall we see if we can what songs we, we all have and if we can put something together and and perhaps go into the studio. That was that. That question was framed, but it never actually came out. They just had a cup of tea at Spider's uh, flat and then they all went home. <laughs> so that's as close as it. That's as close as it got, as far as my understanding is.
0: Um, it is interesting though because when a lot of bands from your you know the Pogues' era mm. reform and then do put out new music there is often that because you're still in the not the confines but you're dealing with a legacy that's you know very yeah. special and when a lot of these groups reform and make new music and then they get to go play them live and they say oh we're going to play a new song next and there is often that moment in the room where everyone goes oh i'm going to go to the bar do you know what i mean because a lot of the time when you're dealing with a legacy that's so rich often you can't ever really top that classic material and so i think it's often best to just start a new group like you've obviously done now under new forms with new members and if you yeah, still, still yeah, want to write a because i still, do, I still wanted the... to do
2: stuff and that's yes. why you know leaving the band the first time round um i mean shane we, well we, we we left shane ourselves was,
0: was shane fired or did he leave his own accord no what we we've
2: we, we, uh, yeah i guess we fired him yeah he would be the word I, I tried to use the word let go but um yeah, we, we fired him. We'd brought him to a hotel room and said, we can't do this anymore. And then he just said, what took you so long? Really? Basically. That was yeah. his response?
0: Yeah. Is, was his heart just not in it, or is he just out of control with other things?
2: A uh, bit of both, bit of both. I would say. Um, and he was struggling with the whole pressure of, of having to do what he had to do every night. All I had to do was throw an accordion around and show off and play yeah. all the notes right. That's all I had to do. I didn't have to stand in front, of, you know, under the lights... Uh, Bearing my soul every every night basically, basically. now th- that seems to imply that if i'm the you know the front singing guy in the worker odors that i'm bearing my soul every night that's my choice i think to oh i don't know um i think shane had no choice but he had to live it right he had i, I, th- to... th- I think so um I'm glad you put it that way because I, I I'm shallower than than Shane is, so I know well you're perhaps telling stories from a you know
0: a narrative point of view, whereas he's living his stories, isn't he? Even yeah, if even not though even though a him. lot
2: of the stories that that he would sing about were um, there were still just stories where he'd, yeah. he'd put, I guess, you know, so so the the the, the, the furore about. You know whether whether you can say scumbag, maggot, cheap, lousy, faggot in yeah. in um, fairy tale of New York. The thing is that he's telling a story, and that's the language that and those that's the language that, they, that his characters would, have would undoubtedly use. used. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's so you, that implies is that one remove between the subject matter and the 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 person who's delivering
0: it. Yeah. Um, but he still lived with and felt that pain and that.
2: That's it's the that's, joy and the that's my the feeling full emotional spectrum and also the awkwardness of being the centre of attention in a room sometimes with ten thousand people in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was rare that it was ten thousand people, but sometimes it was. Um, and you know, it's touring, sad.
0: you know, when you're on the road, if you do have a you know a a weakness or a liking for alcohol mm-hmm. and. And other things when you're on yeah, the road it and it's around you all the time it yeah. takes its toll doesn't it
2: yeah it does it's hard. it's you it just you just get tired anyway yeah um and, and drinking just makes you even tireder yeah and you start the day on, on a on a on a deficit um then it just goes downhill from there and then
0: then, and then you think well if i'm hung over now i've got to drink to get through it and then yeah i guess it spirals yeah. out of control that way doesn't it
2: so um so basically um i stayed with with the Pogues for another two years with spider singing the songs um didn't joe strummer sing for it? that's a, right a no, 91 period? yeah so he did how yeah. was that that was for fun. you as a big
0: fan of the yeah. clash working yeah. with joe that it was it was huge did he produce the last album you did with yeah. him yeah so he produced that record and then you yeah. kind of were like well we need a singer you're here well it was he actually <laughs> wasn't
2: here he was in la at the time right actually. right um and saw me and my wife uh danielle um got in touch with him and and well got in touch with jem and everybody else first yeah 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 to say joe's in town here and we were going to go and have a drink with him what how would you th- what do you think to the idea of our asking him if he wanted to work with us for a bit so um so me and danielle met him oh i know i can see the bar right now not that it's got you know like the plaque on it saying Joe Strummer said he would go and work with the Pogues in this bar or anything, but I can see the place. It's on Highland Avenue, um, and um, we met him. We met up with him there, so we asked him, and uh, and he says, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." So, um, so we gave it a go for a year, basically, uh, and it was a joy to play to play with him. Yeah. Really, really fantastic.
0: Were him and Shane friends, and were they mutual admirers of each other? And was it like a very easy yeah, I fit guess they, I, I thing guess they to step were, they into that friends. role? And...
2: Um, I don't know. Socially, I don't know if 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 they got together. I really wouldn't know about that. They probably did, but with Shane gone in the August of nineteen ninety-one, and then and then Joe pretty much straight in after that it seems like to me my experience of it was a clean cut between shane and um and joe and then joe did a year with us um he did a whole year did he wow. Yeah, mm, maybe not um, there's a decent amount of shows in that time, a decent though, amount of shows yeah. i went to canada and america and um, europe all over the place so we did the full round that would have
0: been a special tour to see
2: yeah it was great really really such a lot of fun yeah because he's um it's what, a st- what did
0: he bring to the the table on the, the live gave, side of things. He gave because um, it would have been obviously similar enough, but also very different. I imagine as a performer, as a singer. Yeah, no, I don't know how we did it, but he, um, energy, right? we
2: didn't have to change key or anything for any. I don't know how that is, um, but he uh, 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 his work ethic was was like second to none. When because he the reason well his the reason we went to him first was because he uh we'd asked him to come and play substitute philip chevron because he was sick with um a a duodenal ulcer um this is so funny because my first experience of getting to know uh, um, phil chevron was on a ferry going from hamburg to helsinki and we stayed up all night talking and basically finished a bottle of schnapps Next, uh, the next morning, he's, uh, uh, oh, during the night, he had some sort of duodenal attack. And they went around, uh, Andrew and Spider, I think, went around the ship looking for the ship to doctor to look after Philip. Philip went straight into hospital as soon as we got to Helsinki. Managed to do some gigs a bit later in Stockholm and stuff. But then when we'd f- once we finished the Scandinavian tour, he went to go and see a specialist. And the specialist says, you've got an ulcer, you've got to stay home so um from one night of drinking with you goes, so it's my so yeah kind of I so, so like a spider still says it's all your fault um so then um um so we'd, we'd met joe on the, the film with alex cox in 1986 well, this is going back years
0: so you've gone down there as well to spain and you've been involved
2: with that's that. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, indeed. yeah Um so we got friendly with him then um and so i don't know whose idea it was to um to, to bring him on to play guitar, deputising for for Philip. But Joe had all the chords written out for all the songs in the set, so they would go round the body, the side of the body of, a, of an acoustic guitar. So we'd start with the neck up to read the chords of the first songs, and by the time it finished, the neck was down, and he was looking at the back end of the guitar for the rest of the chords, for the encores, and every damn chord was on there. And uh, wow. it fitted perfectly. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so cool to see that. And you're in a piece of art. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I wish I knew where that was. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, really, really great. Um, and, and, on, uh, and on stage, when he was the front man, uh, he, he was a great uh, uh, ringmaster type person. Yeah. Um, if he saw any... Well, once he saw something going on in the in the crowd and he, and he just put his guitar down and just jumped into the crowd to sort it out. And we just stood there like... Um, Idiots w- watching him in there, in the crowd, trying to figure out what el- whatever it was. Out, I never found out. And backstage, he came up to us and said, "When any one of you, the members of the band, gets off the stage and goes into the crowd, everyone has to go and do it." So we felt really ashamed of ourselves for um, just gawping at sh- that um, Joe sorting it out.
0: <laughs> you left him hanging. Mm. And then your de- your decision to leave—were you just kind of creatively? wanting to go in a new direction? Did you feel like the pogues had played out? And um,
2: kind of, sort of. Um, Spider was difficult, to, became difficult to work with. Um, uh, he's now been, uh, he's sober for many years now, and he's, um, it was a difficult time for him um, when he went sober, because um, I met up with him, oh, I was at a party where, where he, he, you could just see how difficult it was for him to be out socially. But he got through all that and and now is one of the funniest on the money guys that you could come across. So you're still close with him and all the other guys, are you all generally still friends? Yeah, generally. I don't see Andrew quite so much. Daryl's not doing too well uh, health-wise, but um, he's still popping along. Jem's working, doing uh, art installations and whatnot and music stuff. Um,
0: It's ironic that Spider's sober because a couple of years back, the Pogues uh, Mm. released a whiskey that's right no and indeed yeah i yeah. was on the um they did a bunch of shows all around the uk trying to find unsigned bands mm. and just showcase the drink and were you on so, the panel well i was hosting all of them oh hell the nights. all right that's were, you, cool. were you at one of those shows no then? i wasn't no. spider came to one he of he was uh, at them yeah. yeah so
2: i was like oh but that's that's funny
0: that he, How funny. i mean he must be in a good place with the sobriety to be able to go out no and he is so promote is a whiskey so
2: strong and him, and his, uh, him and his wife um went th- basically went through it together is, right. is is what and and they're solid as rocks both of them so fantastic now um what about
0: yourself do you drink do you not yeah, drink no i do, I do so drink you, did you uh, never have that kind of the same problem with it
2: um I've, I've had episodes where it's been um a little bit much um and then episodes where i'm, I'm fine it's it's um i went through the whole Polk's thing I, I, I would say kind of fairly unscathed yeah but it's been lately um as a as a, an older guy that um the um i don't have the tolerance that i used to think that i had um so um i can come a cropper sometimes um so and then I get help from the wife or or, um, or a, a therapist or something like that to see what's uh, what's at the bottom of it. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, so, um, but uh, generally speaking, I'm doing all right. I'm healthy, and I, I think it was um, playing the accordion for all those years, and swimming. I did a swimming uh, throughout all that time as well. So, um, so I'm fairly fit. And what about Shane? Has Don't Shane know about Shane. Um, I, I mean, it's it's it's, it's not fun to see him in a wheelchair but it's, i can see you know i can see him in worse uh like an iron lung or something or um or whatever um but it's great to see his teeth all fixed up and it's great to see him still working with people it seems to me i don't know very much about his life anymore apart from what i see on uh, twitter or um or whatever or the, the odd daily mirror th- something or other um
0: so you're not in touch no no no
2: no which is fine it's just um there's one of those things i was close with him once you know back in 1980 and 81 and 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 throughout the pogs, i suppose until towards the end of the of the pogs, where we sort of drifted apart which is kind of inevitable um yeah, no, I had my time with Shane, and I don't regret it at all. And um, and you know, I still love him. So, yeah, is a lot of that time in the book
0: that you wrote. I really wish I'd read that book ahead of this chat, and I need to read it because. Oh, please do! Yeah, what's it called? It's called. The, is it just the story of the pokes? No, it's called Here Comes Everybody. Here the comes, story of the pokes. Here comes everybody. The story yeah. of the pokes. Yeah, um, you should have. You should have a go. It's fun. Could you share a choice anecdote from from the book that?
2: Oh, stands out as a, oh God. a snapshot of the. <laughs> well, the, that, well, because I've already the there's a couple already, but well, there's not. I can't do the eye of the storm <laughs> thing. But uh, you know, the, the end of the first chapter uh, ends with with Shane saying, "What took you so long?" And basically, the rest of the book is about why it took us so long, right, to figure out what's uh, how to deal with um, with um, with Shane. Um, and was he a fun drunk? Yeah, he could be. But then, after a while, I think the when it's i suppose when i when I guessed when I saw that it wasn't fun being around him, then I distanced myself, yeah, um and let other people have the well no not let other people have the fun with him, but let other people look after him. I was a bit of a coward like that, um. But uh, you have to do what you can to, to survive, basically. But we're not talking about what I'm doing now, though.
0: Well, we're going to get there, mate. Don't worry. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's the full, yeah. the full life story. Don't you <laughs> worry. fucking hell. <laughs> we're getting there. So I want to talk about the project we were mentioning. So you leave yeah. the Pogues, right? I'm going to and then to... you, you're you in LA. You're with your wife. Do you yeah. have a little bit of time off to start a family and kind of just yeah, know, so, be, so... be a guy and live?
2: Um, yeah, I had some time off to be a dad um and then so my daughter first born uh, the first born was was uh born in february 93 and i was still in the pogues at that time and she and then so, so then uh, i i realized i didn't really want to be in a band i'd rather be a dad um for my for my new kid so after talking with danielle the wife um i went to go and have breakfast when I came back to London. I was living in uh, just uh, off near the um, uh, Children's Hospital, Great Omen Street, um, which is where Jem was sort of living around there as well. Um, so me and Jem went to breakfast where I handed my notice in. Um, and I always felt a bit weird about this, that the notice that I handed in was six months as if to say, it's going to take you six months to find somebody as good as me. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> like I, a bit of self-confidence there. No, but I mean, but then I was just trying to be fair, you know, yeah, like, yeah, if yeah, it yeah. like,
0: not not leave them in the lurch.
2: No, indeed. But it's sort of, um, it. If, when, as soon as they, well, as soon as you, you start to say things, oh, I gave them six months notice. <laughs> it does sound like bragging, um, and and in, in the end, they they they. they
0: they found someone in one and you're like, Yeah, oh. they found yeah, <laughs> right at the last minute when I was
2: when I was all finished. And that that was quite a splendid sort of night to go to. We, we 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 played at um we played at uh Oh what's that place in Kentish Town called? That's changed its name. It's called is it called the Forum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. now it's called the Forum. The yeah, town of yeah. country back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that was the last gig that I did. And Shane showed up for that and so did Joel Strummer for it. Um and um It was a great night my my parents-in-law put me and danielle the wife up in the savoy hotel which was fantastic and then i got on the plane the next day and emigrated basically Uh, clean break
0: fresh start what a nice way to do it no no
2: it it was it was brilliant
0: um and then how did you find the LA music community, and music scene? Was it drastically different to the London one? Was it easy for you to um, integrate with players in that town? And didn't
2: bother for the didn't bother for a while, except um, so um, my wife um, was an actor. Yep. Um, she was in Labamba, She played Donna in Labamba, Bamba. I don't know if you like the Richie Vallon's yeah. girlfriend character. Basically, That's yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. And um, so she was. I'd visited her out. In Greeley, Colorado, on a set for uh, a film that never saw the light of day, um, and one of the other actors on the on the in, on the production was Catherine Keener, who was uh, played what's her face in um, tr- in Capote. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, With Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so we found out that Catherine and and, well, the, the Catherine and her hu- her husband Dermot Mulroney, who's the right. sort of go-to marriage guy, or used to be, and um, the, 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 the 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 love love object, <laughs> the love object in you know the marriage films with um, with um, I can't think of their names, Julia Roberts and um, or you know, the haired woman who played uh, Lucille Ball in something. Anyway. Um, that they were married and just lived on the block down down from us. And uh, Dermot had come out to Greeley, Colorado, was spent the afternoon in the bar just talking about music. He turns out as a cellist from a family who plays cello, double bass, viola, violin, and something else in the string family. Um, uh, the Mulroney's. Um, so that's how you wind up with those two brothers. That's right. And Kieran turned out to be a, na- a neighbor of two uh, blocks the other way. So me and Dermot and Kieran would start just mucking about in Dermot's garage. So yeah. I bring the accordion down, and and then we'd do some singing like old sort of um, um, country songs. They they they've got great voices, the pair of them. Man's not so good. Um, and then we'd play and sing these things um, just in Dermot's garage. It was yeah, yeah. it was great to do. Um, and then a friend of mine from England, who used to be the guitar player for Julian Lennon back in the 1980s, co-songwriter with him, uh, said, why don't you do some gigs if you're doing um, stuff, um, singing and, ma- and making up s- songs and whatnot. So we went to uh, Molly Malone's where Flogging Molly, you know, first did all their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were called the the cranky george trio or or sometimes (laughs) we were called the mossback george trio um because we were called um oh no 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 that's much later because in the middle of that then the low and sweet orchestra happens with zander schloss from circle jerks and Thelonious monster and Mike mark from Thelonious monster um and a couple of other guys tom barter on bass and will hughes on, on drums um, as I met Zander at a film prim- indie film premiere and said what are you doing now? So I said oh, I'm just playing accordion and fiddle and cello in somebody's garage in in our neighbourhood. Literally. Literally. So Zander says how do you fancy, I've got um, a drums, bass and guitar and a singer do you fancy trying to put the two of them together? So we went down to uh, Mar Vista where um, Zan- uh, Zander was living um, and just sort of knocked a few things around. Xander doing most of the songwriting. Uh, and in fact, Mike doing the other half, I guess. Um, country songs type of things and Xander playing, you know, some really complicated, often, oftentimes complicated orchestral sounding type stuff. At least they were arranged that way. And then an Irish one thrown in, which was great because it sounded nothing like an Irish song that you'd hear anywhere else. Um, and then we started playing out around LA from the Alligator Lounge on the west side to Luna, I think it's called Luna Park up on Santa Monica Boulevard and and places in between. We did Lollapalooza Festival one year and then um, Interscope signed us up. Yeah, yeah. I think probably, well, somebody had the theory that the reason why we got signed to Interscope was because there was Jimmy Iovine, and there was the the the, uh, the heir to the Marshall Field um, uh, company, which was where all the money came from. Uh, Ted Fields, that's right. And it was because Ted Fields had the could see the dollar signs, you know, like go up when because Dermot Mulroney was in the room. Like yeah, if you had yeah, a if yeah. you had a band with Dermot Mulroney in it, they're going to make some money, um, not realizing that there's no way that Dermot's going to take time off his career to to go out on the road because they wanted us to go into a van and go away for three months. I didn't either because my second child had just been born. Kieran went out for a bit with my replacement accordion player, a guy from Wisconsin who was called Thor or something, who had (laughs) uh, got a long golden locks. Um, Um but we did we did some things. We we opened for the Neville Brothers in San Francisco, and nice. um, and you put out the record, right? Goodbye we put to out the that. record, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodbye to all that. Uh, it was a good record. I thought it was a really great record, and um, I had fun with them. Zander S- was hard to, to work with, and had some sleepless nights, but um, <laughs> but because uh, he's intense, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, He knows what he wants. And then if he thinks that you've found out what he wants and you're going to change it a little bit, he'll change it even more. So you, you have to try and catch up with him. At least that was my theory. Um, but I had fun working with those those guys, and still in touch with them now, which is great. Um, and it was out of the low and sweet orchestra, color section we called it. We called ourselves the color, which was the accordion, cello, and and violin. Dermot, Keir Mulroney, and myself. That's where the Cranky George thing came from, The and I'd met Brad Wood by that time. He was a parent at, um, at my kid's elementary school, producer from Chicago. He used to run Idful Studios there. lot of stories, a lot of experience recording. Um, moved to um, L.A., can't remember when, with his wife. Uh, so their kids went to the same school that my kids went to we had a, uh, a he has a studio in, in his backyard like in the guest house sort of thing um where we started recording with Dermot and Kieran myself and a drummer called Sebastian Visconti um whom the Mulroneys knew um originally the the setup had been must distributing the the drum kit, the parts of the drum kit between everybody's feet. Right, right. So I got the snare drum, foot-operated snare drum. Uh, Brad, being the bass player here, had the foot-operated hatbox bass drum, which was an old hatbox that Danielle used to have on top of a suitcase with a bass drum attached to it. Kieran got the cowbell, and um, Dermot did the hi-hat and it didn't hang together all that well i really really a bold w- concept <laughs> yeah I, th- I thought i thought the concept was was really fantastic yeah. and and if we and if we'd practiced maybe yeah well, you've brad got to would be to really in sync me. haven't you for something yeah. like that uh, and i think brad was too concerned about the quality of the, the actual rhythm track holding together um then that's when we got sebastian to come and play um mm-hmm try to make him play standing up the way that we did with um, Andrew Rankin and John Hasler with the Pogues yeah, right yeah. at the beginning. Um, but then he had to... The Slim Jim Phantom style, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, true, it's, it, it's, it's me thinking, that, uh, you know, the Pogues invented it, but no, it was Slim Jim. I who, think uh, it was Slim Jim, yeah. yeah. I, I think
0: he definitely popularised it within within mm. that within that scene. And a
2: good player, nice guy too. I've come across him quite a bit in um, in Los Angeles. He's always reaching out. Nice man. It seems like a
0: lot of people, whether they're coming from England or the East Coast, as soon as they get to LA, yeah, are like, I'm staying. Did you feel like that as soon as you got there? Um, Did it feel like I can make I some can do this. good music here, I can have a good you know life? What?
2: You know what, with, with with moving to, for me, moving to LA, I think, um, if, if we can get personal for a minute, Always. Um, that I've was too good here in 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 the pogs at setting myself up for the for this fall guy a bit um, the accent didn't help uh, the um, the premature boldness didn't help the the the, the um, sticking to wearing suits all the time didn't help I just became a bit of a caricature I think um, and so I got teased quite a bit in the in in the group, um, and it was a relief to go to another country where you could just reinvent yourself. Except <laughs> just reinvented the, yeah. well, reinvented the same reinvent, thing, but yeah. the Americans seem to like yeah. it. So so <laughs> a that's fresh meaningless. Start, clean slate. Yeah, kind of. Where people wanted to know about me rather than confirm what they thought they knew is yeah. is basically it. I'm not blaming anybody. Or, that's or just
0: an American trait, isn't it, as a whole? Yeah, yeah, Like, British people are a lot more quick to put down and criticise. That's just the British tradition, I think. Whereas with America, I think they're a lot more inclined to celebrate, and they're just a bit more positive, aren't they? They don't have that same inbuilt cynicism that we as Brits have always had, I don't think. Well, I guess, yeah, but then... And in the music industry, that can only go so far before it starts to become, as you say, painful and...
2: Yeah, well, I think when 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 you cer- when you're certainly with with people that you've been working with and lived with and known longer than you know after a while with than my more than my own family. So yeah, yeah. Um, um, and as, and as I say, I don't I didn't do myself any particular favors with um, with um, preventing setting myself up. Um, so maybe it was just time, you know, that I'd. You know, a, a new kid, uh, a, a young marriage, a new house in in L.A., like a bungalow, and then on, on, on you know off periods playing, you know cello and and violin and accordion with a couple of mates down the down the street. It was it seemed it seemed like it could be a good life. Yeah, um, as it turned out, and, and 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 yeah, it was Um um to you know to get another record deal really quite quickly after setting foot and with some great musicians um and with a cool um um, um record company yeah I yeah think. very yeah because it was very uh, cutting edge isn't at that, time, at that time yeah um and i think it probably is now I, i'm not really sure i don't really keep up with that um and then um and as i say to be a dad and then a new kid comes um a did a bit of film music, but not a lot.
0: Did you ever write your book? Not the Pogues one, but yeah.
2: No, I'm doing that now. Actually, you're working on that as well. Yeah, busy um,
0: man. Then sorry, what? Busy man.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yeah, I mean, I could work. I could work harder, but one could always work harder. Um, so the book, basically, I did write, which was which was the Pogues, which was the Pogues. You know, the, uh, here comes everybody, um, which I'm awfully proud of hard to do my god it was hard to do um and uh, you know it changed the dynamic i think within the pogues band when i um gave them all um copies of it in 2010 right um it caused a bit of a sort of um a flurry of telephonic activity between Victoria Shane's wife and um, and Spider and and his wife, um, uh, to the point that I thought, oh fuck, I've really fucked this up, you know, relationships-wise, and it was difficult, you know, to go back on the road um, in, in Australia, particularly after the book was published, um, to um, to, I was going to say confront, but I. I there's no I didn't want to confront anybody I think I've done plenty of that with actually writing the book because yeah. uh, somebody somebody backstage once in England said to me um, that book you've got balls of steel <laughs> 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 and I suppose uh, I had I without really without thinking it not that it's you know a, 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 you know the definitive act of courage is to write the book about your friends but it's it could be the stupidest thing that you to be do. honest
0: and candid and up front about yeah, stories and yeah, dynamics. There's, and... There's,
2: there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a high level of stupidity about it, and there's also a high level of, of balls of steel about it. it
0: Makes um, for a good read, though, right? When, um, you, when you print um, revealing and well, insightful. Yeah, I
2: th- and, I, and and it was fun to go out on doing um, book tours and things. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Because um, my dad uh, always said, when are you going to contribute? Well, this is before the pogues and and everything, and, and it felt like, well, here I am, I'm contributing something. Um, when I was, you know, in a, in Waterstones in Leeds or in in, you know, I tried to actually do independent bookstores when I could, because those are a dying race, and um, as are independent record shops. Yeah. Yeah. No. So in in the states, I actually every every book tour place place that I did was an independent bookstore, and I'm I'm awfully proud of of doing that. Um, but there, there was you know like talking to people and reading from my book and thinking, uh, wow, Dad, look at me, I'm actually, I'm actually doing what you told doing me to it, do. Doing it, yeah, yeah, that's cool.
0: What about this new project? Are you going to tour that?
2: Yes, I guess indeed. That's the plan. Without without a doubt.
0: Um, so we mentioned a couple of guys earlier. Yeah. Um, Mark from Dropkicks. Yeah. Ted from Flogging Molly, and of course Ted has produced so many bands within that scene obviously floggy molly dropkick murphy's boss yeah, yeah i guess the big one that he did which would have probably helped him out a lot in his career was the gaslight anthem album that's right yeah, yeah massive record yeah yeah um, absolutely and the uh, old Crow
2: medicine show which for which he won the grammy for oh, right! wow yeah. okay
0: yeah and you've obviously got other players in the mix as well it's not just a three-piece band there's the full lineup of yeah with brad that, that um playing bass
2: and kieran playing uh fiddle and um Oh, who am I missing? (laughs) There's always somebody. There's always one (laughs) in there. (laughs) Oh, Brian, yeah, Brian Head, who plays with uh, Richard Hodgson from uh, Super Trump, and played with Dick Dale as well. Oh wow! uh, Yeah, all
0: he recently passed, didn't he?
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, Um,
0: legend. Um, So, yeah, are you going to bring it over here as well as the states? Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, Yeah? for sure.
2: Um, There's plenty of of scope. Um, It's be expensive. Yeah. is the thing and we just knew but well, this uh, the single Will You Go Lassie Go and the new track that's just come out Lord Randall's Bastard Son um, it's got that hard rain's gonna fall that's same, right yeah no that was such text, fun right? to write that
0: was such where fun to write where have you been my darling young my blue eyed son is it
2: no, that's my words well, where have yeah. you been my darling young one is, is uh, oh, the blue eyed son might be from Dylan as well uh, but Dylan took it from Lord Randall the, the, yeah. the Scottish ballad um, and so I've I've taken it from the Scottish ballad too, but sort of—I don't know. i will just turn the screws up taken a little it bit in a on, different on direction. The,
0: yeah, it seems like poetry's always kind of been a, a key inspiration for you. One of the poke songs that you wrote was about a, a Rembo poem. That's right. Or no, it's it
2: based on um, uh, Bateau Ivre." Yeah. By, uh, Arthur Arthur. So, Rambo.
0: are you an avid reader?
2: Yeah, I was. I'm still. Yeah, like like poetry a lot. Um, did you listen to John Cooper Clark on Desert Island Discs? My
0: mate texted me about two days ago and yeah. said I need to. You do? I love him. Me too. I think his taste in everything, movies, music, yeah. pop culture.
2: Except he's he just, just slightly disappointed me at the end with um, that, uh, yeah, without a doubt, at the end, of, uh, the, the, the one record I'm going to take has is, is got to be Elvis. And I'm sorry, we're part company, uh, me, and, <laughs> me, and, me and Cooper Clark. <laughs> Uh, but everything else uh it was so fantastic (laughs) really really enjoyed yeah i've got to check it out program yeah i heard
0: his luxury item as well was uh, (laughs) yes a ball of opium twice as big as his head (laughs) that's right brilliant (laughs) only john
2: (laughs) the only other person on on desert island discs uh, well not the only other there's plenty of them but kathy burke was another one was uh was uh really fantastic um so sorry we, we we went off on a little thing it's there. all
0: good so yeah the possibility of coming over here oh, yeah, is indeed, yeah. an option yeah it's, good to figure out costs and it's finances, got to figure out costs and schedules whether,
2: yeah i'd like to bring the whole band over if i can get some funding for that um this is projects that i can do with a live band in the m- middle of it if i can if, if if i got funding it could also be a, a tv option as well which should be kind of fun to do with the canals which I've been working on for a bit. I'm so hell-bent on, on putting a band on a narrowboat from Liverpool to Hull, and we'll have visitors every day to talk about music in, in Manchester, in Liverpool, in... Um, uh, yeah, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, Manchester, Sheffield, Leeds, Hull... Uh, to talk to musicians and about music from those particular places but do the whole thing by narrow bowl. amazing and you have the people come on like i was thinking to take billy Bragg through wow. uh, yeah, the, yeah. through yorkshire through castleford and everything to go and have a look at what happened to the to what happened to the coal mines and what they've become now where one of them has been returned to its natural state as, as much as it can be and another one is the home to the the, the, the longest uh, real snow ski slope in Europe, and that's um, uh, that's at Castleford, and it is uh, uh, one of the weirdest places you could ever go to visit, and that was on uh, the Glass uh, Horton Colliery um, I Think it'd be interesting to to, to take Billy around there yeah, and, and, and just and film about... it all as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Then get back on the boat, play, a, um, learn a song or something, and play a, a gig at the end of the day in a in a canal side pub. Um, just need the fucking funding. It's, it's uh, all I do, and then I've got worker orders to do it. Um, Amazing! They're all, they're all into it, and um, and end up where Ziggy Stardust came from in um, in Hull. Um, I think that's where Ziggy Stardust was born because all those musicians were from Hull or just outside. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's some um, enthusiastic about it. Yeah, love it, um,
0: and. The rest of the time you're over in the UK, you got anything exciting going on?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm writing the book while I'm here, right? Um, and doing interviews like this every now and again Love or uh, or whatever. But um, I'm trying to get my head down every morning. Um, it's uh, a, a a a novel about a. Uh, family basically it sounds really boring but it's got a bit of. there's, a there's bit of a n- nothing more like <laughs> inherently dramatic than family dynamics and relationships yeah no yeah it's well, the big stuff yeah so um, <laughs> um it's hard but it's i'm having fun doing that Lovely. and it's great being in this country i love it i love it here and that and was one thing that somebody asked me about you know well you know, your question sort of uh, prompted this at the beginning about about going to l- america los angeles to live yeah with one qualification i don't want to die there i want to i want to die here home yeah i do i don't i, I it wouldn't be right i don't think somehow well don't die yet james no right? no there's <laughs> plenty to do yeah that is thanks for your oh, time lovely mate. to talk to you yeah really absolutely yeah thank yeah. you very much great man. fantastic